Hi friends, I'm Tierney. And I'm Shelby. And we're Dead, Dead Drunk. Woo! What's up? Uh, not much. Same thing, different day. I'm like tired. <laughs> I'm tired all the time and I can't begin to believe how tired everybody that's on the street every single day is. Yeah. But good work. I know. Don't it slowly but surely changes are happening. Changes are yeah. happening. Derek Chauvin's charge is now second degree murder, which is what we want it to stay at. Mm-hmm. Don't argue for first. Anybody out there arguing for first, don't. Yeah, it's not it's not first degree. But no, and he'll get off if we give him first. So second degree is what we want. And the other three are also charged now, which is great. Yeah, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, people. This is it's it's going to take a long time. It's like the coronavirus <laughs> doesn't <laughs> get cured overnight, unfortunately. Yeah, but somehow that had people way more aggravated about it. Yeah. Way more aggravated that they had to wear masks or stay inside. I personally really enjoy staying inside. Yeah, same. It's <laughs> great. I enjoy I, it very much. <laughs> right? I like my house. <laughs> yeah, I like sitting on the couch all day. It's fantastic. I was pretty much made for this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I don't know. Hopefully, in the coming weeks, we'll have a, a better, better news. I don't know. <laughs> I think we'll start seeing more and more change. We're already seeing it. I I know I'm late to the party, but I know that Brianna Taylor's boyfriend was released and the charges were dropped. Yep. And her case has been reopened, which is good. It's working. Yeah. So we can't stop now. Right. If you guys haven't already, I really urge you all to watch John Oliver's video, his enraged explanation of defunding the police. It's perfect. And he's hilarious, and I love him. John Oliver is awesome. Shout out John <laughs> Oliver if you're listening. <laughs> um, Can you imagine if he's listening just randomly? <laughs> he's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> he's our biggest fan. He's a patron. <laughs> Speaking of patrons, we do have one more patron to thank, and that is Molly Pond. Woo! Oh, hey. I need to give a fun fact for Molly. Yes, you do. This is the only one that came to the top of my head, and you might already know this, but did elephants can't jump. Wait, what? They can't? Nope. Oh, that's so sad. I mean, I guess, like, why would they need to? They're already, like, right. really tall and stuff. I don't think and they're missing much. And <laughs> if they did jump, like, when they landed, it would probably cause an earthquake. <laughs> it would cause some kind of damage, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's cool, though. Yeah. I guess I just never thought about it. Really? I really thought that that was a common one that everybody kind of knew. No. Well, maybe I'm just late to the game. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I should think (laughs) more about elephants jumping. (laughs) All right. So thank you, Molly. And with the fun fact out of the way, now we need to get a little bit more serious and give you guys some resources. Um, In lieu of our drink this week, we've decided to provide resources to ways that you can help the Black Lives Matter movement. So Shelby, take it away. These are some of the organizations still accepting donations. There is Black Visions Collective, Campaign Zero, 
The Innocence Project, Communities United Against, Police Brutality, Bleh. Communities United Against Police Brutality. Don't donate to police brutality. <laughs> <laughs> no New Jails, New York City, Know Your Rights Camp, Committee to Protect Journalists, and Black Lives Matter. Yes, and we will link those all in our show notes so that you can click on them and go donate if you are in the position to do so. Um, for something else, if you're not in the position to just flat out donate to these organizations because obviously COVID is happening and a lot of people are unemployed. Um, I do have an app on my phone that I downloaded the other day that can help you help out some black owned businesses in your area. And that's called eat okra, not sponsored at all, but I just think it's a really cool idea for an app. So it's a free app that you download to your phone. And if you put in your location, are you allowed to track your location? Like whatever. Um, it will show you restaurants in the area that are black owned that are open where you can order food from. I don't know that you can. Maybe you can order on the app. No, I don't think you can order right on the app, but it will tell you um, where you can order from if you want to support a black owned business, since a lot of us are eating takeout these days anyway, um, to help the black people around you. I don't know a better way to say that. But <laughs> no, but that's I, perfect. I used it the other night to order food and it was delicious. Um, I had some Ethiopian food and it was great. So, yeah. That's why don't you so give exciting. it a try? I definitely will. Okay. So today we're going to talk about the death of Darren Rainey. In the summer of 2012... 50-year-old nonviolent offender Darren Rainey was serving a two-year sentence at the Dade Correctional Institution in unincorporated Miami-Dade County, Florida. I don't know if I'm saying the D-A-D-A part, D-E part right. That's probably right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not from Florida. <laughs> Thank Thankfully. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Rainey was a diagnosed schizophrenic and therefore was confined to the mental health unit of the prison. On June 23, 2012, Rainey had defecated in his cell and smeared it on himself for unknown reasons, most likely related to his mental illness. When he refused to clean himself up, the prison guards decided that he should be punished for this. At 9.33 p.m., according to the timestamp on the security camera footage that was released five years later, the guards led him out of his cell. And Rainey remained handcuffed as the guards put him into the shower. That's where Darren Rainey died. Oh, my God. A little more than 90 minutes later, Darren Rainey was found lying face up in a pool of water on the floor of the shower. According to the Miami Herald, quote, inmates and staff described how after Rainey was carried out of the shower, he was so red and looked like he had been boiled and that his skin was peeling off his body like fruit roll-ups. Oh, my God. What an image. I can't even... Yeah. So, like, the water was so hot that he, like, burned mm -hmm. to death? Oh, my God. Yeah. The autopsy report took over three years to complete for some unknown reason and wasn't released until a year after that. All the while, Rainey's confused relatives are struggling with their grief and begging for answers, which were only met by pressure from the prison officials to have Rainey's body cremated immediately. When the report was finally made public... It stated that according to the Miami-Dade medical examiner, Emma Liu, Darren Rainey's death was an accident. Put yeah. that in quotes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. 
A paramedic that had responded to the call at the prison's mental health unit that night, Andrew Lopez, saw Rainey's injuries firsthand. Lopez wrote in his report that Rainey, quote, was found with second and third degree burns on 30% of his body. Lopez also noted that the prison staff told him they had found Rainey like this with the hot water running. After he was removed from the shower, nurses attempted to save his life, and one nurse registered his body temperature at 102 degrees. The autopsy report later stated that 12 hours after his death, Rainey's body temperature was still hot at 94 degrees. That's crazy. Yeah. Another inmate in the prison wasn't willing to let this injustice go. Harold Hempstead had served 17 years of his 165-year sentence for a series of burglaries in the state of Florida, And he's the man that contacted the Miami Herald in 2014 to tell them about the death of Darren Rainey. Hold on. Why was he serving 165 years for burglaries? I have zero clue. We see people that kill people that serve less time than that. Yeah. I have no idea. It's just a series of burglaries, it says. It doesn't say armed burglaries either. And I will admit, I did not look into Harold Hempstead, but I still can't see any reason why he has 165 years. That's crazy. Is he black? That's probably why. No, he's white. Huh. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> let's let's chalk it up to Florida. He has a book. <laughs> he does have a book. He wrote 400 pages on all of the atrocities that he saw while he was at this institution. Wow. Yeah. Hempstead claimed that Rainey's death was not, in fact, accidental to the surprise of no one, but <laughs> was the result of sadistic torture by the prison guards according to the herald quote inmates in the unit told the herald and later detectives that rainy had been placed in the shower by officer roland clark after rainy defecated on himself and that other officers stood by as rainy screamed and begged for help while banging on the shower door rainy's last known words were quote i can't take it no more i'm sorry i won't do it again Inmates reported that he screamed those words over and over again throughout the nearly two hours that he was in the shower until the screaming finally stopped. I just got chills. That's so horrible. Mm -hmm. How can you, like with George Floyd, how can you be that corrupt that there is somebody literally screaming for help and you don't let up? I have no idea. And similarly to George Floyd, there were three other correctional officers there with Roland Clark. Their names are John Fanfan, Cornelius Thompson, and Edwina Williams. They were reportedly taunting him through the locked door with mock questions like, is it hot enough? And how do you like your shower? I cannot even believe this is happening. Again, it seems somewhat surprising, but if you remember at the Stanford prison experiment... They just gave people fake power inside a prison and they took it to this level. So it's just, if you give the wrong people this kind of power, maybe it doesn't even have to be the wrong people. I mean, I'd like to think that I wouldn't do anything this terrible with that kind of power. But the Stanford prison experiment said it could be really anybody. That's crazy. It is crazy. The pictures from the autopsy that was done immediately following Rainey's death can be viewed online thanks to the Miami Herald, although they are really graphic, so be warned if you want to look at them. In those photos, though, you can see the numerous burns all over his body that came from those prison guards essentially boiling this man alive. 
reportedly at the same temperature that you would cook ramen noodles, just for <gasps> reference. Yeah. The Herald took the photographs from the autopsy and showed them to two renowned forensic pathologists, Dr. Michael Baden, who we know from having done Epstein's second autopsy, and Dr. John Maraschini. I think I'm pronouncing it right. Lou argued in her, uh, in her autopsy report that she saw no evidence of burns or trauma on Rainey's body and that the peeling of his skin, also known as sloughing, which is just a really gross term, is a common part of the decomposition process. Okay, I'm looking at the photos right now. I have never seen autopsy photos like this. This is not common of the decomposition process. Right, and that's what both doctors Baden and Maricini said after they looked over the photos. According to the Herald, Dr. Maricini chastised Lou for not taking more than one skin sample for, for testing. She claimed she only took one skin sample and that there was no trace of any burns, which is not what you're supposed to do. Yeah, no, I mean, there are definitely parts of his body that aren't burned, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of his body that is. Both the doctors also said, just from looking at the photos, that there were obviously burns. Maraschini told the Herald, quote, Given that first responders are calling these burns, the prudent thing is to examine them thoroughly to see whether they are pre- or post-mortem effects. You have to assume from the start that these are burns until proven otherwise, not the other way around. There are so many photos. Holy crap. Yeah. Dr. Baden similarly explained, quote, I think he suffered thermal burns of his skin. They are not post-mortem decomposition. These were heat effects. You don't decompose in a facility right away. The decomposition takes time. Exactly. You can go look at any autopsy photos you want to dig into on the internet, but you won't find any pictures of them sloughing skin like this. It does not happen immediately. So despite all of this scientific evidence, no one has been charged with the torture and murder of Darren Rainey. What? State attorney Catherine Fernandez Rundle based her decision to not charge any of the four prison guards responsible for murdering Darren Rainey on Lou's autopsy report. Fernandez Rundle put out her final report after the Herald, quote, reported that the makeshift shower had been used by guards to torment prisoners who suffered from mental illnesses. Unlike other showers in the prison, it was rigged so that the temperature controls were in an adjacent room inaccessible to inmates locked inside. It's essentially a torture device. And Harold Hempstead backed this up. What? Mm-hmm. Fernandez Rundle instead claimed that, according to Lou's report, there were no burns found on Rainey's body. And without any burns, it was impossible to prove that a crime had been committed. Bullshit. In- there were no burns on his body. What? Exactly. In January 2016... What is this now? Four years? Yeah, four years after his death. They released the findings of their autopsy, which claimed that Rainey's cause of death was a combination of being confined in a shower, his heart and lung issues, and his schizophrenia. Being confined in a shower that had burning water in it. Right. Doesn't that sound a little bit familiar? Like, the autopsy report released about George Floyd when we all watched him being choked by Derek Chauvin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry if I sound angry. Guess what? I'm angry. (laughs) Yeah, same. (laughs) So here's what also happened. 
In April 2014, George Mallinckrodt, a psychotherapist who worked from 2008 to 2011 at the Dade Correctional Institution Psychiatric Ward, which was called the Transitional Care Unit, filed a complaint against the United States Department of Justice about the way mentally ill prisoners are treated. In July 2014, Mike Cruz, the... Florida Department of Corrections secretary suspended Jerry Cummings, the warden of the Dade Correctional Institution, and put him on paid leave. Later that month, Cummings was fired. But I know what you're thinking. What about Roland Clark, the main officer that put Rainey in that shower to die? Well, after the Herald launched its investigation into Rainey's death, Clark was pushed to resign from the Florida Department of Corrections in 2014. Don't get too excited. Clark was quickly hired as a road patrol officer for the Miami Gardens Police Department. What? Oh, yeah. Soon after being hired, the internal affairs investigations began looking into his misconduct. There was one incident in which Clark ran a red light in his police truck and crashed into another vehicle. Then in 2016, he called a tow truck to remove a car that belonged to a drowning victim without securing the wallet or cell phone that was inside. Both of those things had mysteriously disappeared by the time homicide detectives arrived. Oh my yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not laughing at that. if Because you, you guys can't see <laughs> Tierney's face. It's just like, what? Like, yeah. I'm just so shocked. So I don't know if that drowning death has been solved. But. Oh my God. Yeah. In September of 2016, a complaint was lodged against Clark that claimed he was, quote, pursuing personal relationships while he was supposed to be at work. This earned him a warning and five-day suspension, but it didn't stop him from starting up another affair in late 2017. Clark would abandon his patrol area to visit his mistress. What? What yeah. a dick. On the taxpayer's dime. That's just, that's just like, that's a dick move. Mm-hmm. Then, in July 2018, the mistress decided to take matters into her own hands. She contacted Clark's wife and provided her with a cell phone recording of him boasting about how his co-workers had tipped him off about another internal affairs investigation into his behavior, which she had set into motion. She called the police department to report him. I would, too. Yeah. On the recording, Clark says, quote, It's a good thing Noble, referring to Sergeant David Noble, had my backup there. He got word to me through another officer who was not named. Actually, Noble wasn't named in what I'm specifically from one article, but he was named in another one. And I feel it necessary to name Sergeant David Noble for warning people about internal affairs investigations. Anyway, Clark said, quote, he got word to me through another officer like, hey, stop going to that girl's house and fucking on duty because she called anonymously. They took care of that shit. That shit didn't go nowhere. Clark's wife, who is also a police officer, has since divorced him. And in October 2018, the mayor announced that Clark was, quote, in the process required by law and collective bargaining before an officer can be officially terminated. Mayor Oliver Gilbert stated, quote, the behavior of which Clark is accused and the poor judgment which he has allegedly shown is inconsistent with the high standards to which we hold our employees. Okay, but didn't we know that before you hired him? Oh, yeah. Didn't we know that, like, what, 10 years ago? Yeah. On November 26, 2018, Chief Delma Noel Pratt confirmed Clark's 47 different violations of department policy and recommended that he be terminated. However, 
As of December 28, 2018, Clark was still listed as an employee of the Miami Gardens Police Department. I looked further, and as of February 2019, Clark is still employed as an officer, according to a blog post from our friend Harold Hempstead. He runs a blog. It's on Wait, WordPress. What? Yep. What? I thought he was being. I thought he was being fired. Hold on. Hempstead wrote that Clark, otherwise known as quote a killer who is responsible for torturing mentally disabled inmates, is employed by the Miami Gardens Police Department, which, as far as I know right now, is still true. The reason Clark is probably still, quote, in the process of being terminated is the protection given to him by the police unions and in some states like Florida, the police officer's Bill of Rights. According to Mike Riggs at Reason.com, in 1971, former police officer and New York rep Mario Biaggi introduced the police officer's Bill of Rights. Biaggi pushed for the bill to go through until 1987 when he received two indictments, one for bailing out of business with federal funds and the other for extortion both of which resulted in convictions and his resignation from Congress. So, overall, a great guy. <laughs> Although the bill failed to pass through Congress, the police unions jumped on the idea, pushing their higher-ups to write their own version. Riggs stated, quote, Benevolent associations in Maryland successfully pushed for the passage of a police bill of rights in 1972. Florida, Rhode Island, Virginia, New Mexico, and California followed suit before the 70s were over. The rights put in place by these bills vary from state to state, but in the article, Riggs gives a pretty good rundown of how a typical police misconduct investigation works. 1. A complaint is filed against an officer by a member of the public or a fellow officer. 2. Police department leadership reviews the complaint and decides whether or not to investigate. 3. If they decide to investigate, the department must inform the officer and his union. 4. The officer then gets a cooling off period and is provided with the names of those who complained and their testimony before being interrogated yeah no i agree <laughs> with that face cooling <laughs> off period so that you can know who complained against you and then go ruin their life great good i'm glad yeah isn't that really cool maybe i should just become a police officer <laughs> then i can do whatever the <laughs> fuck i want and nobody cares that's what i'm essentially learning the more i dig into this yeah Five, the officer is then interrogated, quote, at a reasonable hour with a member of the police union present. Unlike us civilians, the officer can only be interrogated for reasonable periods of time that are, quote, timed to allow for such personal necessities and rest periods as are reasonably necessary. Do you know how much this pisses me off? It pisses me off, too, because I just started reading a book by Damien Eccles, who was arrested because the police, because he's really into magic and the occult. So they assumed he murdered three eight-year-old boys, which he did not. But to get, try and get a confession out of him, they essentially locked him in a closet-sized cell overnight. Yeah, I was watching um, Central Park Five, mm -hmm. and... Those were 14 to 16 or 17 year old boys that they questioned for 30 hours straight without letting them leave. And that's what happens when you do that, especially with young kids. They literally would say anything to get to go home because they just wanted to be over. And so oh, why? Yeah. So obviously it these people know that that's not OK because they're not going to treat their officers like that. Oh, yeah. They, the officers get for interrogated for just reasonable periods, but not anybody else. Number six is the officer cannot be threatened with disciplinary action. 
at all. If they are threatened, anything they say after the threat cannot be used against them. What the fuck? What happens next also varies depending on the state, but Riggs explains that under most law enforcement bill of rights, officers are granted the following additional privileges. One, the department cannot publicly acknowledge that the officer is under investigation. Two, if the officer is cleared of wrongdoing or the charges are dropped, the department cannot acknowledge publicly that an investigation ever took place or reveal the nature of the complaint. Which is a direct quote from Riggs's article. Number three, the officer cannot be questioned or investigated by, quote, non-government agencies, meaning there can be no civilian review boards. Four, if the officer is suspended, quote, he must continue to receive full pay and benefits until his case is resolved. So an officer can kill somebody. Yep. Nobody has to know that they're under investigation. Mm-hmm. They can't be threatened, right? As it said before, they can't be threatened with disciplinary action. Yeah, not during the course of investigation, no. And even if they're suspended, they're still receiving full pay and benefits. Yep. In most cases, the department has to cover their legal fees, and if any of those rights are violated, the case is dismissed. Police departments can also let a district attorney or outside law enforcement agency take over the case and then fire the officer if he is convicted. Yeah, that's what I meant. (laughs) If he is convicted of the charges. This is what ultimately happened in the case of Derek Chauvin, who was arrested and charged by a different police department. Finally. Yeah. Unfortunately, we know that Florida's DA refused to press criminal charges against, let's say their names again, Roland Clark, John Fanfan, Cornelius Thompson, and Edwina Williams for the torture and murder of Darren Rainey. DA Fernandez Rundle claimed that the autopsy, which was not done properly or perhaps even at all, proved that Rainey's death was not a homicide and refused to prosecute his killers. Jesus. Hempstead, who, as I mentioned, now runs a blog on WordPress from his cell in a Tennessee prison, which he had to be moved to, wrote, quote, I believe that Mayor Rodney Harris should direct that the Miami Gardens Police Department give Roland Clark a polygraph or voice stress test about the Darren Rainey case and the torturing of mentally disabled inmates in the Dade Correctional Institution Transitional Care Unit. These kinds of tests are admissible in administrative proceedings, and Hempstead believes they should be used as justification for Clark's termination. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. In January of 2018, Rainey's daughter, brother, and sister settled their civil rights lawsuit against the state of Florida, Corazon, the Department of Corrections' former mental health contractor, Jerry Cummings, the former warden at Dade Correctional Institution, and two former corrections officers, Roland Clark and Cornelius Thompson. I'm not sure why they picked two, but Roland Clark was in there, and he's the important one, the important guy. According to the Herald, quote, It charged that they had subjected Rainey to cruel and unusual punishment in violation of his constitutional rights, which is true. The Rainey family settled for $4.5 million, which is at least something for their grief. In February of 2018, the Florida Department of Corrections opened a residential treatment facility for mentally ill state prisoners. This is just one of the several new programs that have been added since the Herald published their report. And Harold Hempstead, our good friend, told the Herald, quote, Even though it was a really bad and evil thing, when I look back and see the good that came as a result of attention to the problems in the prison system, I'm happy. 
It's sad that someone had to die to make change happen, but they say God has a way of bringing good out of evil. And he's kind of right. As we can see with George Floyd. Right, as we can see happening now. Hempstead, as I mentioned before, has since been moved to the Tennessee prison system for his own safety since the guards in Florida decided to reward him for his whistleblowing with beatings, isolation, and various other forms of torture. That's like... I, I don't understand... I mean, oh. we know from the our previous case on Gerard Schaefer, Florida prisons are pretty terrible and pretty known for their corrupt correctional officers. I mean, Schaefer appears to have been murdered by correctional officers, so right. Not, but like, not that that was a great loss, but <laughs> <laughs> or that it should be related to Darren Rainey, who was serving a two-year case for cocaine possession. That's it. That's cr- he just what? How much cocaine did he have? I don't know, but it was just supposed to be two years, and instead they took his life. <sighs> That's insane. I mean, like obviously Darren Rainey was mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he based on like what you know prompted them to feel like they had to torture him um i wish that he had just been in a mental facility that could have helped him instead of yeah and a corrupt prison like this. that could be possible if more people would open their eyes to what we could do if we defunded the police and used our tax dollars to fund mental health facilities to actually help the people that need help instead of locking them up or mm-hmm. here's the thing defunding the police is not taking them away it's lightening right. their load. They can't taking all of their money away. Right. And it's lightening their load. They can't do all of this stuff. They can't be expected to wrangle up stray dogs in Texas because Texas is having a problem with their dogs. They can't be expected to do that. That's not That won't That's that's not within their like <laughs> Right. They can't do that and everything else. <laughs> yeah. Currently, they're expected to do everything. But if we take funds out of their massive massive budgets the nypd for example is 5.92 billion dollars why i don't know i don't know but we could take some of that money and put it into our schools or put it into social workers or put it into mental health programs put it into other places literally anything else literally (laughs) anything else to fund anything else and then give the police the training that they need in other countries, they're required to go to to be trained for years. Right. Why is it that police officers can become police officers after, what is it, 21 weeks? Yeah. It's it's not long. When to, I mean, being a police officer is an important job. You think you would have to, for most jobs, you need at least a bachelor's degree. Right. And the idea behind not the police, to be a police officer. is that they uphold the laws, right? They should at least know the laws. what the laws are, yeah. I think if you want to be a police officer, yes, you should have a four-year degree, and you should be trained and learn the laws. It could be a police police academy training. You learn the laws of whatever state you're being trained to be a police officer in. Yeah, and hopefully if they were to make it harder to be a police officer, it would weed out some of the people that do it because... 
they have an authority complex. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would, oh, right. Because the people that just want to do it for the authority and for the power, they wouldn't want to go through the four-year program and put all that time and effort into it. Maybe you might get a few of them through it, but that's why then you do psychological testing at the end to see if they're ready for this. I mean, the man that shot Tamir Rice, his former office, former chief said that he was not ready. He could not handle discharging his weapon. He could not handle being in the field. Um. Yep. Nobody read that report when he went over to the other department. Nobody read it. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Like, I don't know. They didn't. He didn't have to list references or something. Like <laughs> he probably didn't list his former boss who let him go because he wasn't capable of being in the field. It would be like if somebody handed me a gun and told me to go out and protect the field. I am not at all prepared or knowledgeable enough to fire or handle a handgun. So why are other people that are also not capable or ready given handguns? I don't know, dude. uh, I I know I'm not an (laughs) expert, so like... You could come at me and tell me that some of some of this is wrong, but all right, I I've just I've just looked into um Derek Chauvin a little bit, okay, um because I wanted to see if he actually even went to college for anything that was um related to like criminal justice or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, he studied food preparation at a technical college, taking classes like pantry food preparation. Stock sauces and soups. I don't think that stock sauces and soups really prepares you (laughs) to be a police officer. No, maybe he might have made a really good chef or something. And that still gives you some power and authority if you make it up to head chef in a kitchen. But it takes work. When you can apply to the police force and get that power and authority in, guess what, 21 weeks. So... Mm-hmm. Also, as I was looking for that, I found out that Derek Chauvin and George Floyd had a history of not getting along with each other. Yeah, the, he, they both the, work security at the same place. Yeah. And the owner of the nightclub says that Chauvin was, quote, afraid and intimidated by black people. Yeah, that's just racist. That's <laughs> code for racist. Yeah. Yep. I also will say I'm getting pretty tired of people using domestic violence victims to justify not defunding the police. The police do not help in situations of domestic violence. (laughs) They show up to a call, and if they can't prove anything, guess what they're going to say? Call us if you're going to get killed. You'll already be dead. This is from something on Facebook. Again. Don't get mad. (laughs) But a person said, one time I escaped an abusive boyfriend and I moved into a new place and then a letter showed up at my new address for him, letting me know he'd found me. So I called the cops being like, he found me, he's going to kill me. And they were like, okay, well, let us know if you die. The response. Did she die? I don't think so because she tweeted this, but. (laughs) But somebody responded saying people bring up us domestic violence survivors as a gotcha when police abolition comes up. 
Meanwhile, me and every other domestic violence survivor I know is like, cops are worse than useless. They don't help in situations of domestic violence. They can't. They can't unless something happens. But who can help is mediation specialists and social workers and people trained to deal with these kinds of situations. And we can fund agents that can do and respond, that can respond to calls just like police, but better because they'll be trained to respond to domestic violence calls. If we take mm-hmm. taxpayer money away from the cops, it's my it's money really and I want it I now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you like, it's not that hard, dude. No. Oh. All right. Well, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. But yeah, that was our story. Um, as our chaser today, I wanted to remind you, if you live in the states of Kentucky, Mississippi, New York, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia. Your primary is scheduled for June 23rd. Get out and vote. If you live in the state of Colorado, Oklahoma, Utah, which if you do, good to have you. I mean, I don't know anybody from there. Um, (laughs) Your state primary is June 30th. If you live in Delaware, New Jersey, it's July 7th. Louisiana, it's July 11th. Alabama, Maine, Texas, it's July 4th. Arizona, Kansas, Michigan, Missouri, Washington, it's August 4th. Tennessee, it's August 6th. You get your own day. Congratulations. Hawaii, it's August 8th. You also get your own day. Then, Connecticut, Georgia, Minnesota, South Dakota, Vermont, Wisconsin, August 11th. Alaska, Florida, Wyoming, it's August 18th. Oklahoma is August 25th. And that's uh, Massachusetts is September 1st. New Hampshire and Rhode Island, September 8th. Delaware, September 15th. Louisiana, November 3rd. And the rest of Louisiana is December 4th. But get out and vote. Also, if you don't want to go out because of COVID, you can request an absentee ballot. That's what I did. Um, And you can submit that for your primary as well. So just keep that in mind. If you're saying you don't want to go out and vote because of all the people, you can still do it from the comfort of your own home. Yep. It's super easy. Just make sure you send it in probably well before your date just to make sure that it's in. Yeah, I haven't received mine yet. But I did receive, they should mail you a request for an absentee ballot. And I filled that out and sent it back. So hopefully my ballot will be coming soon. Yeah, I got mine pretty quick when I filled that out. And I just, I just sent it in earlier this week. Nice. I know that it's typically frowned upon and I don't usually enjoy getting political. But at this point in time, there's really no other choice. Yeah, we have to. Yeah. And if we didn't want to or couldn't i would say let's not do anything then because <laughs> mm-hmm. because we have it's a small platform but you know but it's here we're here it's here we're, we're here queer. we're not queer but we're okay with it Woo! <laughs> <laughs> we're here we love queers and <laughs> that's a better one <laughs> and we're ready to party i Yeah, I'm also, I'm ready to party. All right, bye, Mom. Bye.